watching my, my little boy, Thomas, he's an avid gamer. And uh, he's actually very good. And um, I was watching him playing, and he was controlling the avatar. And what came up for me, and I relate it back to life, is every single possible move we could make on that game has been pre-programmed by the app developer or the game developer. So whether that he turns left with his emoji, with his um, avatar or he turns right with his avatar, the journey has been pre-mapped and is possible. So couldn't we relay that to life? And based on the decision you make, if you're in control of the controller and society isn't in control of it, could you imagine what you could do with your life? That's deep. <laughs> it's your first bell of the day. Well done. <laughs> Welcome to Women of Steel on the Matt Brown Show. This Women's Month, we chat to dynamic women smashing gender norms and shaping the current and future world of business and entrepreneurship. Join us for an extraordinary series celebrating empowered women from all walks of life. Get inspired this Women's Month with Women of Steel on the Matt Brown Show. Power to the woman. Yeah. Don't tell us how to be empowered. And we're live. Hey guys, welcome back to episode two of our new segment called Women of Steel live on the Matt Brown Show. With me today is none other than Tanya Kunza. Welcome to the show. Hello. Yay. So happy to be back. Part two. Yay. Awesomeness. <laughs> Part two. So today we're going to talk, as uh, if you guys haven't heard by now, Women of Steel is really about shining a light on amazing women kind of shaping the current and future states of business and entrepreneurship of which you're 100% qualified. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before we uh, dive into like who you are and all that kind of stuff, um, where were you earlier today? So today I was speaking at a CIB Women's Day event. And then after this, I'm speaking at another event at Discovery. Okay, cool. And what are you speaking about exactly? This morning, it was very much about owning your power, owning your personal power, finding your unique and, and really all the neuroscience, once again, of introspection with women. Okay, cool. Um, right. So, and then also you've been recently covered in this year magazine called Life, Luxury and Style, The Conversation, and then 40 all-round amazing women. Yeah, Legitimately. Welcome, sales team. <laughs> Where is, where is that page? Um, one f- somewhere. One, you find that for me. I want to talk you. about some of the stuff very, you said. Very, very, very honored and flattered to be here. And I looked at the caliber of the women that are next to me. Wow. Who is in there? Can you well, give us some you've name got, drops? You've got, um, actually, Costa Semenya is in oh, there, really? which I thought was really quite amazing wow. because she's, uh, she's a powerhouse. Yeah. And uh, we've got... Sure. I mean, all the names in here, we can go through them, actually. There's some Jenna Cliffords in here. Mm. Um, are they all local ladies? It looks like all of them are local ladies. They all look South African, and it's beautiful because it's a Rainbow Nation magazine. Really, him? Yeah. It's all the powerful women yeah. of all walks of life, from creative to medical. Yeah. And uh, the women that have been inspiring and shaping South Africa. Mm-hmm. And I'm stoked to be part of it. I know. It's, it's crazy. I know. So what, uh, can you walk us through, I mean, the title of this here, this one here is called The Beauty of Metamorphosis. And it's funny because I was chatting to uh, Carmen Murray, who was on our first uh, sort of episode of this particular segment. And we spoke about this sort of personal transformation and how 
you know, transformation inherently is a very personal process. Mm. Um, and I see here you've got the beauty of metamorphosis. So what were you trying to get across there? So transformation is exactly what it's about. And I've had this, this little thing at the moment. I, I get these thoughts and then I play with them a little bit and I've come up with something. So I was driving and I saw, um, I saw a sign that was talking about previously disadvantaged. And I sat with that statement and I thought, what does my body do when I hear that? Because as a woman, because we haven't necessarily been in the workspace for hundreds of years, it's literally decades that we've been allowed to be in the space that we're in, we technically are, as women, previously disadvantaged, right? Mm. So when I say that statement, it makes me want to take a step back. Okay. It makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. But what does previously disadvantaged actually mean? It actually means advantaged. So when I say I'm advantaged, it makes me want to take a step forward. So I think I'm going to own as a woman, I'm advantaged. <laughs> and I'm going to stay with that. Preach, brother. Preach that. <laughs> Round of applause. There you go. <laughs> so um, if, for those of you who have been living in a tree uh, and don't know who Tanya Kunze is, <laughs> um, why don't you give us the, the headline here? Who are you and what are you all about in like one sentence sort of thing? So one sentence, I would say to you that I'm a unique thinker and I like to turn the world on its head and try and see it differently. But essentially, I am a neuroscience coach and I'm someone who likes to develop people, help them develop themselves to their greatest self. And I like to go into companies and make those companies work effectively and efficiently, leaning into sales and leadership. Hmm. Which is a big deal, right? Especially in the context of, um, of women empowerment. But let's dive into that subject. What are your views on the current state of women empowerment today? You know, it's an interesting one because from a personal standpoint, um, I'm very much about skill set. I'm very much about capability and I'm very much about personal drive. And so if, when I work with organizations, and it might be an inherently confident related aspect of self, I walk in there, but I've never felt like a woman in, in a business environment. I felt like a person in a business environment. Really? So you never felt prejudiced in any way? You know, I've, I honestly have felt or disadvantaged. Quite, no, I felt quite confident, and mm. um, you know, standing out in in, a, in 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 any corporate space, going out there, having an opinion, I felt that I've been worked well with, mm. and I think it might have to do with with a level of of self confidence. But I have seen a lot of women really rather being quiet. What I've heard speaking to women is that maybe from a cultural perspective, it's not respectful necessarily to speak up. Um, I've heard people saying that, um, you know, women do feel like they, they still have a long way to go. So there's definitely a lot of variety of schools of thought out there. But I think if you really know your stuff, you're good at it, you're confident, you're powerful in your own self, mm -hmm. and you don't sweat the small stuff. You know, I'm sure over the years I've had comments of, of, of many natures. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And I just build a bridge because so what? Yeah, you know, I might be thinking it. They're just saying it. <laughs> mm. But it's interesting that you have such a different view to the general narrative because the narrative is very simple. You know, women have been prejudiced from a patriarchy legacy mm. perspective for fucking centuries, pretty mm. much for the rest throughout time. <laughs> uh, Carmen is even describing this morning how um, literally specific uh, elements of history have been completely deleted. 
because women were responsible for them. Interesting. Um, the movie Hidden Figures. Yes. You know, where they were instrumental in putting um, Man on the Moon, essentially, but were never accredited for that. You know, there's there's this massive legacy mm. of patriarchy that needs to be addressed, to your point. At some point, you know, I don't know when we get there and how you, you, you measure. Mm. Have we now arrived at equality and how will, how will we know? I'm not sure if we have. No, we haven't. I you don't know, think we have. And and I'm not sure if we have on any level of anything really, because um, you know we've I've made it my statement, which we'll which we'll read through just now. Is I think, I think equality is an interesting topic. I don't think it's something we should ever strive for. Is there a one size fits all T-shirt? Interesting thoughts. So for me, I'm going. Why don't you just own your own space and not try and be like everybody else? Mm. So I don't try and be like everybody else. I don't try to be samies with the person. Someone's going to have a better opinion than me and someone's going to have a worse opinion. Someone's going to know what to do and someone won't. Mm. I don't know if that's going to be me or not. <laughs> Is that the same as saying, well, if you want equality, take it? I just think you should not have to worry about measuring up to the next person. We're male, female, ethnicity, religion. I think just be your unique, amazing self and own that space and whatever that works out in your, in your environment it is. So for me... I like to subscribe to the idea that comparison is the thief of joy. Ah, I like that. So if you compare yourself as a female to a male, you're, it's automatic, by virtue of comparison, mm. you're stealing from yourself, mm. which is kind of uh, the next step to what you were saying, right? Mm. Which was, um, you know, if you feel that you are entitled, then you are. Yeah. It's like you act as if. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I think, I think just owning your space is, is definitely where people need to start playing a lot more. We try so hard to all be the same. I've never understood that. Mm. Why, well, you know, fashion and speech and all those things, everyone wants to look and be the same. So, you know, one minute it's big hair, the next minute it's no hair. <laughs> and it's just a matter of, and people wanting to sort of follow these, um, these trends and processes. It's just interesting. And we all do it. We all fall prey to it. Imagine we uninstalled the judgment program in our physiology. Hmm. What would happen? I don't know. What do you guys think? Live studio audience, rent a crowd. Anyone? Any thoughts? It's a deep one. So if we uninstall judgment. I'm coming judgment, back to you. I expect at least three answers. If we uninstall judgment, we uninstall um, opinion. Hmm. And all of a sudden, the fashion industry collapses because no one would care what you're wearing because mm. you're not judging. And soap operas wouldn't exist. <laughs> and um, I think most commodities would actually disassemble because why would you want to be better than the next person? What would you have to prove? Mm. So judgment and opinion lead to a tremendous amount of the Me Too syndrome. And um, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not saying it is either. But if we just stopped judging and we just started being, maybe life would be a lot easier. It's kind of hard not to judge, though, when you're comparing yourself to everybody exactly. else. Exactly. But that's a, is, it, is, it that, is that the human condition? Well, the thing is, you're not just judging other people. You're judging them through you. Exactly. It's through your and perceptions. Through, uh, yeah, totally. And your perceptions of your self-worth yep. and entitlement or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Right. So there comes the man-woman thing. Mm. You know, and um, if you walk in there and you just say, listen, I'm good at what I do. You're good at what you do. You're good at what basically. you do. Basically. Okay. It's funny how you spend, when you're a youngster, you spend most of your, your life trying to fit in and then the rest of your life trying <laughs> to stand out. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I'm one of those that have never really been, um, I've never really been the person that tries to 
be part of something. I just am what I am. Mm. And I think I've learned at a very young age that you will be judged whether you do something or you don't. Someone's always going to have an opinion. And if you come, become okay with that, it doesn't matter what the opinion is. As long mm. as you're comfortable with yourself and your self-worth and your belief systems and what you do, mm. and you own your mistakes, mm. and you own the things that you do wrong, and you learn through them, I think that's a much more powerful life to have. So I want to talk to you about reputation, if you don't mind, for a second, because I think women's reputation is a very important subject to talk about in the context of women empowerment, right? It's like you're always trading on your reputation. Like you've got an incredible reputation in the neuroscience and sales space and as a personal brand, etc. Um, but for many other women, it's not what they have. They don't have that kind of personal currency. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And oftentimes they lack the belief that they can express themselves to the degree that like you do, as you described, like you walk into a boardroom and I, this is just who I am and I'm qualified to be here and I don't give a fuck what you think. Sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> but am I right? It does sentiment? sound a bit like me, yes. It does sound a bit like you. Yeah, we're crazy similar in that sense. <laughs> but, um, but, it's, but it's this whole thing around caring what other people think. Yep. And I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, why do you care what other people think of you as a woman? Or not? I think it's largely media related. You know, if you look at most magazines um, that have been airbrushed mm. and you see what women wish they looked like, none of them look like that on the cover in reality. Um, and they're the minority that look like that in the first place. And then they get airbrushed. And we have this perception of having to have this external beauty that measures us against others. And um, I find it quite quite fascinating how there's that... Um, the weighing up constantly of having to be the most this or the most that. And I think when you just let that go and you just try to be the best that you can be. I'm not saying let yourself go. I'm saying look after yourself. But you're never going to be the perfect person. And I think just understanding that is, mm. is a powerful place to play. And from a reputational perspective, um, what seems to be an overnight success or what seems to be a confident human took 10, 15, 20, 30 years to create. So my confidence in that boardroom didn't happen overnight. Mm. My confidence was being knocked down, get back up, learn, study, work, grow, develop, self-help, self-development, self-forgiveness workshops, mm. um, studying, and, and really working hard on self to get there. You don't just get there. But it's this, this. But it's it's kind of like a futile effort in in some sense, and that's you know you're trying to live up to the expectations of a patriarchy. Do you know what I mean? That's that's been pre-existed for so many years. But it's it's like you shouldn't care. My point I'm trying to get mm. to is like you shouldn't really care as a woman to try and meet those 100%. expectations. You should only try and meet your own. Hundred percent. Because what happens is when you try and meet other people's expectations, inevitably you're not going to meet those expectations according to your own standards. And therefore you judge yourself and therefore you're going to have self-worth issues and confidence issues and all these things. And so it becomes a vicious cycle. It's like you shouldn't care what other people think because your reputation should only exist with you. It shouldn't exist with anybody else in this room or, and anybody listening to us or whatever. And, you know, and I'm saying this because it's my truth and I've learned that through running this podcast. You know You're raising I mean? such a beautiful topic and it's something I've been working on a lot and I've been doing workshops on a lot. And it's the word introspection. And because we live in a physical world, we are very physical. So we start looking at the external and we kind of st stay stuck there. And mm. if you look at the education system, we taught external all the time. 
And it's always, what can we do for others? What does the customer want? Uh, what do people want? It's always an external dynamic. But when you start internalizing, when you start introspecting, and you start building inside what you can't see, the soft skills, the EQ, the emotional, the understanding of self, the understanding of your um, operational systems, and all of those dynamics, you build such a solid core of self that you don't need to compete with another person because there's no point because you're solid. Mm. It's interesting, right? Mm. Yeah. So if we remove judgment, anybody got a comment there? No? Chris, I know you must have one. Hang on. Oh, come gra- Wait, come grab the mic here, bro. Chris is a huge fan, by the way, of your work. <laughs> Yay. Hi, how's it going? Hi, and you? Uh, good to have you back again. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, just after your points on the removing judgments thing, it, I just found it very interesting because it's like a double-edged sword almost. Because mm-hmm. often you hear judgments and the first thing you think about is, oh, no, that's a negative thing. No one should be judgmental. But then it's actually something that we use in our everyday lives. Um, like you said, you use it. You use it like there would be no fashion industry because mm. that's essentially it. It gives way for opinion, mm-hmm. and then when you don't have opinion, you almost lose a whole aspect of what humanity is. So I, I totally agree that people should be less judgmental. But if we had to remove the whole judgment aspect, it would everything would fall to pieces. So can I put something to you? If you imagined an hourglass. Yeah. And in that hourglass was the amount of psychological energy you could put out into the world in a 24-hour day. And you could uninstall all the amounts of judgment moments that you have. How much more could we achieve as a society? Yeah. I think it's, it's endless, really. Okay. And so what I'm saying is it's wasted energy. Mm. It's completely <coughs> pointless and futile energy because we yes. could be turning that into advancements <coughs> rather than debilitation. Okay. No, I agree. Anyone else? <coughs> no? Okay, good. Let's do quote of the day. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Take us through this one. Right. We are above and beneath no one, but own your unique. And I lean heavily into what we've just discussed, saying, be your best self and don't judge other people. Just you're above and beneath no one. Why would you try and be? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. It's interesting that. What do you say to someone who feels that they're not worthy? 
I'd say start introspecting and working on yourself. There's so much that you can do to help self, fix self, grow self, develop self. Um, I've mentioned it many times. I did a, um, a self-forgiveness workshop, which I really didn't think I needed to do. I was like, oh, my hat, do I have to do this? Sorry, I in what context was this? I needed to do um, one of my courses. And in order to get into the course, we had to do the self-forgiveness workshop. And it was like stabbing myself in the eye. I was like, oh, my God, really? Cried for three days solidly. What? Really? It was epic. It was groundbreaking. <laughs> and one of the things they made us do was write our own obituary. And in that moment, you realize what you actually leave behind is not monetary. It's not physical. So I phoned my dad and I said, Dad, what are you leaving me behind? What are your five top nuggets about life? Because <laughs> that's what I want to own. Where I don't have to hit my head and you've done it for me. Mm. So uh, amazing, amazing um, information and, and aspects of self came through that. So there's, those are aspects that we need to look at. Mm. And work on. So you mentioned the word um, legacy a second ago. What kind of legacy do you think the Me Too movement is, leaving, is going to leave behind or has left behind? I think, I think it's a transitioning one. You know, like with anything, that pendulum always swings full circle. So it's going to start on the one side and it's going to swing up, which it has. And then it's going to go all full circle. And it'll probably hurt uh, a, lot of, a lot of people in, in, that, in that capacity because everything goes to an extreme and anything extreme is not necessarily healthy. But when it swings back to the middle and it finds a compromise between the two, I think it'll be a very powerful generation. Hmm. I agree. I'm, I've got a one and a half year old daughter. So this whole conversation is really, or this whole series, I should say, is, is very interesting for me because I'm, I'm always reflecting and projecting forward and going, well, you know, when she's 18 and yes. she's got a phone and she's got access to information, then what, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. what is that all going to look like? But before we go there, Kira, do you have a question? If we go ahead. Hi, Kira. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Okay, thanks. Um, my question is, Oh, fabulous. Um, how do you get to a place of self-forgiveness? Because I, I, I mean, I understand, I understand that it's a process and it would be. Um, do you think it's something that you could fully overcome or do you eventually just get to a point where you catch yourself and then know how to reset that thinking? So I do believe you can overcome it. And the thing is that every emotion we have translates into a vibrational energy that can be measured in megahertz. Mm. And guilt is one of the lowest vibrational reactions we can have in life, which brings us into a whole neuroscience and physiological reaction in the body where you literally get something called inattentional blindness and it prevents you from living a life that's optimal. So overcoming it is, is not a maybe, it's a critical. And one actually has to go deeply into those feelings that you went through and really live them and feel them and work through them and let them go. But my advice would be fervently not to do it alone. And I would suggest that one would go to somebody that's highly qualified to work through aspects because usually those forgiveness aspects are working from the past and do need a bit of hand-holding along the journey. Mm. So I wouldn't necessarily use coaching for something like that. I would rather use psychology or psychiatry for something like okay. that, depending how deep it is. Sure. If it's something that you've just you know, started dealing with and you've realized it and it's not really such a life-altering one, but it's you know, something you can just smack on the head, by all intents and purposes, go coaching. But if it's a deep-seated, long-winded guilt-ridden aspect of self that you're living with, you need to live through it okay. and come out the other side. 
One has to unpack that trauma, yeah, because what you do is you, what you squash it down. So just because we can't see energy, it doesn't mean you haven't squashed it down and it lives there until you get rid of it and it festers. So it has to be dealt with. <coughs> we yeah? spoke about this this morning, funny enough, with Carmen. Yes. So she, she shared stuff she had never shared to anyone, weirdly, this morning. Um, and it was all about, like, she doesn't have any memories from when she was zero to the age of six. Hmm. And Most then, formative years. Yeah, I don't either, which is weird. Like, legitimately, I don't remember. Like, my, I, I can't imagine. I'd be four years old, like, my son, you know, playing with mm. RC cars. It's the kind of thing you would remember. I don't actually have any memory. That's the only similarity from that point. But anyway, I'm digressing. What she was describing was why. Why, didn't, why doesn't she have any memory of that time? And so her mom got sick, and she had four strokes. Um, and so she was, you know, all cut up about it. And this last year, she's done a lot of kind of soul searching. And mm. for, for, for because of the trauma... It started to unlock memories, and mm. so she was. She was. She was. Well, I, I don't know how you put this in a PC fashion, but essentially, she was abused. Okay. Yeah, and um, and she had no idea. Do you understand? Sure, and so she the, blocked it because she blocked it, and it's like this. I call it like psychodrama. Mm. But the thing mm. is, you know, like you have to, you have to go there. Mm. Like I don't care what your background is, whether you ma- male or female. At some point, like there's, there's it's like, you know. They're gifts of recovery. Does it make sense? Mm. And so one of those gifts can be self-forgiveness. One of those gifts can be, um, you know, a new paradigm or bandwidth to create new decisions around, mm. you know, who you date, maybe leaving relationships mm. that are abusive or whatever, or walking into a boardroom full of confidence, whereas Absolutely. before you were broken. Do you know what I'm saying? But it's story, you know, and I think everyone's pretty much got like four questions on their mind. It's like, who am I? What's my story? What are my gifts? What action should I take? Who should I take that action with? You know what I mean? And, and every single thing will be shaped based on your experience and your past. So, you know, I talk about the coffee shop. Mm. Remember, that? I don't know if I want to elaborate ahead, on that a little bit. Ahead, yeah. So, I talk about the, the subconscious mind being the shopping mall. And if you had to try and remember every single nuance of that shopping mall, it's physically and humanly impossible because there's just too much. Every shape, color, sound, sight, emotion you've ever experienced since birth is in the shopping mall, right? So, that's mm. your subconscious. And then I call the conscious mind your coffee shop. It lives just outside the shopping mall and it's got your, um, what you're currently focusing on and what you framed your life with. And it's where you make all your decisions from. But a lot of people are unconscious in that, in that shopping mall, in that coffee shop. They're unconscious there. They haven't really had a deep hard look. They haven't questioned it. And what you're talking about now at that level of introspection is questioning why you're making those decisions based on what? Why do you feel insecure? Why do you feel secure? What is framing your foundation? And if people have gone through a trauma, what typically happens is the brain will literally get stuck there until it gets dealt with. And a person can be an emotional age of six, but a physical age of 40. And they need to then actually do that catch-up game where they literally get all that burden off and then work through that. But that is a whole psychological journey that can take a long time and however long it needs to take for that individual. Yeah, and it should take, but again, it's not a destination, right? No, you never, no, you never quite figure it out. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like you get somewhere, but you don't really, really get to know who you, what you, what you are all about because you haven't experienced everything there is in life to experience. 100%. So you're only going to understand life based on your framework of it. But something else interesting came through for me the other day. And uh, watching my my little boy Thomas, he's an avid gamer, and uh, he's actually very good. 
and um, I was watching him playing and he was controlling the avatar. And what came up for me, and I relate it back to life, is every single possible move we could make on that game has been pre-programmed by the app developer or the game developer. Right. So whether that he turns left with his with his um, avatar or he turns right with his avatar, the journey has been pre-mapped and is possible. So couldn't we relay that to life? And based on the decision you make, if you're in control of the controller and society isn't in control of it, could you imagine what you could do with your life? That's deep. your first spell of the day well done <laughs> but it's kind of it is kind of weird right in the sense that it's a system that's self-contained as mm. is business as is women empowerment as is you know they're all self-contained systems they're related but in essence it's to your point it's like i was talking again about this this morning around like are you in are you like do you have that controller in your hands exactly. or is someone else are you the kind of what do you call it the what do you call it? The avatar. character in the game, the avatar in the game. Do you know what I'm saying? 100%. Where someone else is kind of manipulating you. And I would have to say to you that my guess, and it's a complete guess, would be that probably 95% of the world is being controlled and they're unconsciously just going through life, going through the motions, being told what to wear, what to read, what to do, what to think, how to be. And it's that small percentage that's questioning everything, that's pushing back the little rebels we spoke about. And turning life on its head and saying, hold on a minute, I'm so, taking control of my so life. I, I can prove that what you've said is just right. We're doing the show. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's this new – it's funny because it's been coming up over and over and over just this last few weeks in general that there's this new consciousness that's you know mm. coming to the fore mm. from like equal rights to racism to you know political systems, socialism versus capitalism, whatever – um, and uh, you know, women empowerment, etc. Me too. Um, and it's and brands got stung for doing things that weren't completely PC. Colin Kaepernick, you know, when he got down on one knee, like it's there's this consciousness that's suddenly very present, and mm. everybody suddenly, thanks to a Twitter account <laughs> um, and a social or a phone, basically mm. can now weigh in. Mm. You know, and we're even talking about you know things like uh, you know when when Trump basically got up and did a speech around this El Paso uh, mass shooting story, and he spoke about computer games well. and how they're like a conduit to this like mass shooting stuff, which is a load of fucking bullshit, right? Because in Japan and China they play way more games, uh, like, but they don't have mass mm. shootings, so it's not one thing. Either my point basically being is that the world is suddenly becoming aware; it's mm -hmm. becoming self-aware. Um, and we're trying to figure out what is these new kind of rights that need to be assigned to age-old issues that um, both age-old and actually new issues. So I don't know whether you've seen this uh, program called the, the Great Hack. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. So I was speaking, I was on the radio earlier today and, um, so, and this guy always did loads of research. But I basically put this tweet out and I said, data rights should become our new human rights. Mm. And it was all about this um, Cambridge Analytica story yes, and how they manipulated yes, the Brexit yes. story and the Trump election. And by the way, numerous country elections, numerous, thank God they got like we became aware of what the fuck was going on there because like they that would have just literally ruined choice hmm. 
and, dem- and democracy, mm. the fundamentals of democracy, where through data, basically the idea is that, you know, Facebook, everything you like, tweet, comment, share, blah, 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 et cetera, all your connections, everything, the amount of time you spend browsing on, everything is being measured. So it's more, it's about what you click and what you do, but also about how, it's like all the things you don't think about. That one second that you hung over that thing around that one article yes. about uh, the environment. You didn't share it, but you waited there for a second. That gets tracked. Yep. Anyway, point being is that they can build profiles of people and they can start to manipulate communities. Yep. And I actually think it's like this, uh, you know, the, these mass shootings thing. My personal view is that information is now the new wo- world war. As if you can manipulate information, you can you can manipulate ideologies, systems, 100%. views, actions, and you can drive someone to do a mass shooting 100%. if you can get their attention. So the interesting thing for me is is all everything you've spoken about now is all about control. Mm. And it's about controlling, let's call it the masses of society. So let's call it the species of humans as a, as a, as a whole. Could you imagine how powerful the human species could be if it was just not segmented. So we get segmented into male, female, ethnicity, religion, and a whole bunch of other things. Imagine if we just dissolved the segmentation and we just became a species. Yeah. The power, we would be uncontrollable. So that could never happen. Why though? Because it just wouldn't work in the way the current infrastructure is. I'm not saying I would disagree. I'd love it to be like that. Where does this indifference come from then? So going back to you know women, men in the business and entrepreneurship space, where does this indifference come from? I think it's just been created to segment, to have people um, feel different, to have people feel isolated. And to take that power away, a lot of the things that happen out there, bringing you down emotionally, for example, reading bad newspaper stories, pick up a newspaper – you don't feel happy at the end of that newspaper, even if you've hit the sports section. Um, Especially now. Exactly. Um, so it's designed to keep you down. 95% uh, of the world is, is assumed to be vibrating at what we call fear, which is a very low vibration, which prevents you from being the best you that you can be because it's a limiting amygdala-based space in the brain. Mm. Um, food, sugar, for example lowers your vibrational energy. It coats your synapses, so it gives you a false sense of energy. But physically and, and energetically, it actually lowers your vibration. So the more we are held down from a, a vibrational perspective, the less we can actually be a unified force. And, of course, you know, money rules the world, yeah? Mm. So, but it is about control. It's about control. It's divide, I'm different to you. And divide you're and conquer. To, You've just it. put it yeah. out there. Art of war. Yeah. Lao Tzu. There yeah. we go. <laughs> and that's, what, that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. It's divide they, whoever they might be. It's divide and conquer. So keep us separate. Sure. And then, and then, and then we're always under control, mm. which I totally disagree with. So I refuse to be part of that. Mm. So going back to this article here that you um, somehow were amazingly featured I know, I'm so excited. How did that come about? (laughs) Um, A lady called Shauna, who's absolutely incredible, called me up and and said to me that she would like to chat with me because of the coaching space. And I sat with her and we had the most amazing interaction and – and she nominated me as one of the 40. And I don't know how the, how the whole uh, acquisition process happened, how mm. they found all 40 women. But I got the call and I was mm. extremely, extremely flattered. And, well, and congratulations. I think you're deserving of a place there. Um, I just want to talk around this thing around fear because, you know, information, fear, misinformation, there's a lot of power in disinformation. Mm. It's insane. Mm. I'm learning that. Mm. <laughs> Huge. Um, and... Um, 
but you know it is all about this whole idea of fear and we are separate and women aren't good enough and whatever and you know um and you know white supremacy and all this kind of malarkey but it's mm. it's very prevalent in our world today mm. um and how did in your view looking back at the last 30 years and having seen the business environment change so much um what do you, what do you now see as it relates to the fear in overcoming fear in the kind of woman mm empowerment dynamic because it's kind of like you know you need to overcome that in order to take a seat at the table well fear like Mm. anything else it's a belief system right Mm. and you can choose to own it and believe it or you can choose to dismiss it and work through it and i think any of those control mechanisms are a decision and you can decide to feel good about yourself or you can decide not to. And when you're trying to decide to feel good about yourself or whatever it is, um, you need to realize that failure is something that's going to happen. And you need to be okay with that. If um, people give up after one attempt, no one would ever go to gym. So, crossfit, let, let alone crossfit, crossfit, crossfit. Okay? <laughs> we, wouldn't have, we wouldn't have globes today. We wouldn't have medicine today. Yeah. And um, so, you know, you will fail. And that's okay. And I think this big fear of failure is a disease because it keeps people down. Mm. And also people feeling like they're not good enough because they haven't got a formal education is another fear that could be dismissed because sometimes the physical experience way outweighs the textbook. A combination of both is primary and we're fantastic. But if you don't have the gift of the, of the studies, and also studies are available everywhere. You've got EDX, edX, that online university. Mm. Someone comes to me and they've got a Harvard degree. Someone comes to me, they've got 20 online EDX courses that they did through Harvard but didn't get the qualification. Who am I going to employ? The EDX dude. Hundreds of men. Or dudettes. Okay, <laughs> or dudettes. Person. Yeah, person. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. We must, we must learn from our own experiences. <laughs> but I, I love tenacity. You know, get up there. It's not easy getting over your stuff. Mm. Do it. So, women empowerment, why does it matter to you? It matters to me because I think people matter to me. And, and whenever I have these kind of conversations about women specifically, and I'm often brought into this environment, I always tend to include people in general because, you know, you get guys that are also very gentle souls and they're not, they're not the, the sort of, you know, rugby playing, beer drinking, burrowhorse eating oak, you know, they, they're gentle. <laughs> <laughs> and not that I don't like those. And, um, and, you know, you get women that are like Lagatha from, from Vikings, you know, mm. that I'm terrified of. So, you know, I think, I think I like to, I like to say that you get people that, that need to be nurtured and developed and guided and helped. And I think that's what my sole purpose is, is to take people that just aren't strong enough to lift themselves up and just push them a little bit so that they do it themselves. I don't uplift, I develop. Very big difference. Mm. Uplift, you leave them, they fall back down again. Develop, you leave them, they stay strong. Mm. And uh, for me, my passion is to take people and just make them more than they were when I met them. You're a neuroscience coach. Mm-hmm. Um, how does one coach oneself as a woman? So I would do courses with other people. I I have this philosophy that if you had to imagine your brain as a pinball machine, I always have my little analogies, and you have a thought, and it's a coaching thought, and you push that pinball and it goes ding, 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 and it's all over the place. That thought's never going anywhere but within your parameter because it can't. So you have to go to a coach or a book or a seminar or whatever it is that you're going to do and have someone 
knock that pinball out of the way so it actually goes into a different framework of thought because otherwise you're going to keep coming to the same answer mm. and you get stuck. So as a woman, I would definitely make sure that I seek out other people, mentors, coaches, and self-help books are powerful and do the hard work. Mm. Have you come across um, groups for women supports i suppose i suppose in the sense of like uh, on specifically for women entrepreneurship any initiatives that people should have a look at that you've discovered uh sure there's i'm trying to think um the the ypo young professionals mm. organization um they've got a female unit that that they that they work with and i was fortunate enough to be invited there um so that's the only one i've come across personally mm. But typically, it's been quite mixed. Okay. What, and then last one for you. What advice do you have for me about raising a, a girl in today's modern world? Because I have two sons. <laughs> <laughs> but if I had a girl, yeah. um, I wouldn't try and – I wouldn't read Walt Disney to her. <laughs> I'd, I'd help her see the realities of life. And mm. I'd, I'd be very honest with her about life. And I would – um, I'd raise a shield maiden. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Buy a 12-gauge shotgun and just cut off one inch every year she gets older. <laughs> All right, thanks, Tanya Kunz, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> this edition of the Map Round Show is brought to you by networkspace.co.za. In fact, our studios are here in building number four at Network Space up in Johannesburg. These guys have made us a huge deal, have really bent over backwards to give us the kind of service that most exciting businesses deserve. If you want more information about Network Space, you can actually come and check out our studio. We are always open to meet new entrepreneurs and business owners from around the country, and you can do that right here at NetworkSpace.coza. Thanks for checking out the Map Round Show, guys. And if you'd like to get the Kung Fu put in your ninja, check out digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.